Our next speaker, I've actually had the privilege of traveling across the state of Florida with his brother, but we have just become friends within the last couple of weeks, or actually we've known of each other, but just gotten to know each other personally within the last couple of weeks. A great man wrote a wonderful book called Frederick Douglass Republican. Please welcome to the stage our next speaker, Kay Carl Smith. Hello, everybody. How you doing? Good, good. I want to thank uh, Paul and Art for inviting me to come to Dallas and share this moment with you, a few minutes with you. And, and I am, I'm honored to be here. It is a pleasure. Whenever I get a chance to go speak, I'm not going to be like Jonah, go take a cruise. <laughs> I got to go and do what God has called me to do. Amen. Let me tell you a little bit more about myself. I'm a native of Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Left there at a very young age. My father is a math genius. So when he received his master's degree from the University of Arkansas in 1964, he was hired by NASA, Marshall Space Flight Center in Huntsville, Alabama, where my father worked for the German scientist, Von Braun. So we moved from Arkansas to Alabama. We moved from Arkansas to Alabama. You're not following me. We moved from Arkansas to George Wallace country. In 1964, a lot of blacks were fleeing the South because of segregation and better opportunities up north. My father took his family further south. And as a young boy growing up in Huntsville, I had a chance to experience some things and witness some things as it relates to race relations. I have uh, three brothers. All of us are five years apart, so you see my father was a mathematician. <laughs> he didn't want two boys in college at the same time. And I grew up in a very staunch Christian and Democrat home. I thought I was born a Democrat. And uh, I voted that way based on family tradition. Not necessarily based on my values, but based on family tradition. One night, during my Bible study, I came across this scripture and I cannot tell you how many times I read this scripture, but that night, that particular night, this scripture hit me in a very powerful way. Now, this particular translation comes out of the message translation. Now, don't wait past this now. I know there's some bad scriptures in the message translation, but this is a good one. <laughs> Test yourself. Make sure you're solid in the faith. Don't drift alone taking everything, everything for granted. Excuse me. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need first-hand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. When I read that scripture, I started testing myself. I started testing the way I was voting. And I realized I'm voting a way that's opposite of my worship. I don't believe in same-sex marriage, but I was voting that way. I don't believe in abortion, but I was voting that way. And then, after, after this, that spiritual awakening hit me, God diagnosed me and told me I was a political schizophrenic. <laughs> a political schizophrenic is a, is a Christian who votes the opposite of their worship. 
I was raising holy hands on Sunday, but come Tuesday, I'm on the opposite of my worship. I was politically crazy. And God revealed to me, he said, Keith, see, my first name is Keith. That's a little another story. He said, Keith, I want a public relationship with you and not a private affair. Vote your values. And I realized that, and God showed me that by pricking my spirit, he said, I'm going to hold my blessings from you because I can't trust you. So through my vote, I was spitting in God's face and never thought about it. I wouldn't do that on purpose. But if I'm doing it, something is wrong. So when I read that scripture, I went through three days of solid depression. I didn't come out of the house for three days. Because all the things I believed to be true, I found out it was a lie. That will send you to deep depression. But thank God for deliverance. Thank God for deliverance. What I want to do with the time I have left with you is this. I think it'll be a sad situation with all the wealth of knowledge that we've gained here today to go back home and not be able to engage our family members, our friends, and your flock with this message. This message of living. What a waste. So what I want to do with you today, I want to give you a sense of empowerment and equip you on how to engage your family members your friends, and people who may not look like you about the importance of liberty. Can I do that? Yes, please. Several years ago, I was invited to a friend's home to watch our favorite football team play on television. There were 18 to 20 black friends of mine who were there. All of them were black Democrats. And that night, through the course of conversation, the subject of politics surfaced. When I shared with my friends that I was a conservative, the attacks began. One after another, they called me everything but a child of God. Their insults ran the gamut. Uncle Tom, foot shuffler, the house N-word. Your parents must be disappointed in you. I went home that night thinking and mostly praying about how can I best articulate my values? How can I inspire my friends and my family members who share the same values but they're not voting that way? How can I inspire them? How can I win this narrative? How can I trump the race card, pun intended? After weeks, months, and over a year of reading and research, the aha moment came when I created something called the Frederick Douglass Republican Engagement Strategy. Now, don't get stuck on that word Republican. That has nothing to do with the Republican Party. We live in a republic, right? A year later, I invited those same black friends of mine to my home. Reluctantly, they all came. And of course, the subject of politics surfaced. When they asked me about my political identity, they said, okay, Carl is a conservative Republican. I said, wait a minute, I'm more than a conservative. 
I am more than a Republican. I am a Frederick Douglass Republican, and I believe in the life-empowering values of Frederick Douglass. Respect for the U.S. Constitution, respect for life. I believe the limited power of government, economic prosperity, free speech, school choice, women's rights, legal migration. When I shared that with my friends, all of them started talking about how they were a Frederick Douglass Republican too. Amen. I had them. It worked. See, for the first time in my life, I had the knowledge, the confidence, and the skill to engage my family members, my friends, about the importance of liberty. Tonight, today, I want to share with you and empower you with that same sense of joy I have today. What I'm going to cover today with you is a transferable skill. You will leave here in the next 30 minutes knowing how to engage, how to take all this information that you've acquired all this week, take it back and how to engage, how to deliver the message. See, I don't want you to become intellectually obese. Amen. I want to teach you how to work it off. You got to do it through engagement. How do we do it? I contend that the greatest liberty messenger in our country is Frederick Douglass. Not only that, I believe he is the forgotten prophet. Let me give you a quick refresher on Frederick Douglass, if I may. He was born 1818 in the Eastern Shores area of Maryland. The way I like to put it, Frederick Douglass was born below poverty. See, when you're born into slavery, you're born below poverty. He was a slave for the first 20 years of his life. Never, never stepped in bed to age eight, never owned a pair of shoes to age 10. He was homeschooled, self-taught. He started his own homeschooling program. Why? Because he rejected the slave master's coming core curriculum. Did y'all get that? He rejected it. Not only did he learn how to read and write, while as a teenager on a plantation, he started a reading ministry to teach others on the plantation how to read and write to prepare them for liberty one day. Amen. Let me fast forward a little bit. Frederick Douglass wrote three autobiographies, and he wrote a novel called The Heroic Slave. I make this point because, based on my reading of history, 90% of blacks at that time could not read or write. That brother wrote four books. He was an advisor to five Republican presidents. Five. Abraham Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant, James Garfield, Rutherford Hayes, Benjamin Harrison. Most folks don't get a chance to advise one president. He was an advisor to five. He had zero days of formal schooling. Zero days. I shared this early with some folks this week. It's a trivia question. Frederick Douglass passed away in 1895. At the age of 77, he died of a massive heart attack. How much money do you think Frederick Douglass had in savings? Wait a minute now, before you say anything, how much money do you think a man who was a slave for 20 years, no, that was not retroactive pay. Y'all know that, right? <laughs> Amen. 
He was a slave for 20 years, zero days of formal schooling. He didn't escape until age 20. How much money did Douglas have in savings? Somebody. 3,000? A million? So I said, what? Zero. This is not the price is right. Okay. Don't shout out one dollar. Frederick Douglass had $300,000 in savings. That blew my mind. Look, that's back in the money in those days. That's over $11 million today. So you see that the life of Frederick Douglass is inspiring. I like to leverage Frederick Douglass when I talk to young people because I let them know that success is not a secret. Success is a system. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Frederick is so powerful because no matter which victim category that the left try to put people in, no American today can out-victimize Frederick Douglass. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it doesn't work. Now, that's the life of Douglass. But when it comes to the writings of Frederick Douglass, that's what gives us the leverage now to better articulate the importance of liberty, free market principles, free speech, religious liberty, economic prosperity. He wrote about these things. So we should be thankful that we have a literary legacy of Frederick Douglass to refute the lies and the false rhetoric of the Marxists, of the left, of the adversary. Amen. Amen. We got to leverage it. Let me make a provocative statement here. What Frederick Douglass had to say about free speech, religious liberty, economic prosperity, immigration, the U.S. Constitution, women's rights, the right to keep bare arms, what he had to say is more important than what any of the founding fathers had to say. Okay, Carl, that's blasphemy. Okay, <laughs> Carl, how can you say such a thing? Let me prove my point. The, the founding fathers gave us two magnificent documents, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, correct? Yep. Now, some of the founders owned slaves. And when the Constitution was ratified, the slaves were not freed until the Constitution was ratified, correct? So the left, they exploit that. These racist men who own slaves gave us this racist document called the Constitution, and we're on the defense. On the other hand, Frederick Douglass did not own any slaves. He was a slave. Yeah, yeah. Frederick Douglass was not a racist. He was a victim of racism. But in his writings, and in his speeches, he affirmed the founders and he affirmed the Constitution and the left has no answer for that. How can you argue with a runaway slave about his love for liberty? This affirmation with the founding fathers in the Constitution. When he talks about the importance of free speech. Ah, Douglas. We gotta learn to leverage his writings. Let me give you an example. Regarding the Constitution, Douglas said this on one occasion, he said, quote, the Constitution reads, we the people. It does not read, we the white people. That's right. Douglas said. 
who would only say, if Negroes are considered to be people, then they should be benefactors of the Constitution. Douglas concluded by saying, the problem is not with the Constitution, the problem is in the application of the Constitution. The problem is not with the Bible, the problem is in how the Bible is applied. The left has no answer for Frederick Douglass. If you want to defeat Marxism, if you want to defend the Constitution, defend liberty, matter of fact, the, most, the, the best effective counter message to Marxism is Frederick Douglassism. <laughs> Frederick Douglass and Karl Marx. There are some things in common about these two. They were both born in 1818. That's where the commonality start, stops, right there. <laughs> That's it. Both born in 1818. In uh, John Stauffer's biography of Douglas, he, he, he concludes that Karl Marx was a subscriber to Douglas's newspaper. And what he did, he leveraged Douglas' writing on humanity. And he took it, took it a different way. Because Douglas advocated for our God-given rights for liberty, and we know what he advocated for, the total opposite. If you want to counter what he had to say, you counter what he had to say. That's the answer. But you got to know how to deliver the message. I, I got to share this with you because you got to understand that when you go back, there may be some pushback when you start articulating this message of liberty. You know, when my friends attacked me that night, I became curious. I said, why are they attacking me over this word conservative? What's going on here? Now, I don't have a PhD, but I've done some PhD level research to understand why the word conservative, the word conservative has a racist connotation. If you say you're a black conservative, Reagan conservative, Christian conservative, that's what you're saying, but that's not what people are hearing. Black conservative, black racist. Reagan conservative, Reagan racist. See, the left has demonized those words. So as a conservative, before we get a chance to speak, we've already been discredited. If you say you're a Tea Party conservative or, or a constitutional conservative, now you are a racist racist. <laughs> so I was curious to know, from a historical perspective, why does the word conservative have a racist connotation? Let me share with you what I found out. Let's go back to 1964. July 2nd, when LBJ, President Johnson, signed the Civil Rights Legislation to Law. Your staunch, racist, segregationist, Democrat senators, they filibustered the bill and voted against it for racist reasons. For racist reasons. Okay? Now, there was a certain Republican senator, he also voted against it, not because he was a racist, he voted against it based on constitutional grounds. His name was Senator Barry Goldwater. 
Sunderberry Goldwater was not a racist, he was in fact an integrationist. At the age of 37, Barry Goldwater inherited his family's department store. He was one of the first business owners to hire black cashiers and went around the city of Phoenix encouraging other business owners to integrate their establishment. So the Barry Goldwater was not a racist, he was an integrationist. In 1953, he hit me back up. 1948, he founded the Arizona Air National Guard as an integrated unit. In 1953, it was Senator Barry Goldwater who integrated the Senate cafeteria in our nation's capital. He was not a racist, he was an integrationist. But with his no vote, he sided with the racist. You follow me? Now I'm going to connect two dots here. You got to get this. What was Senator Goldwater's nickname? His nickname was... Mr. Conservative. What was the title of the book he wrote in 1960 that sold over three million copies? The Conscience of a Conservative. At the 1964 Republican Party National Convention that was held in, that was held in San Francisco at the Cow Palace, the Republican Party, the Party of Lincoln, the Party of Emancipation, who did they nominate as their presidential candidate to run against LBJ in 1964? Mr. Conservative. When that happened, black folks started leaving the Republican Party in mass. My parents and my staunch, at that time, Republican family members, they became Democrats because of that. So when I asked them about it, they said, look, the Republican Party didn't want us, and the Democrat Party's worse. They felt political homeless. That's when the word conservative and the name Republican Party start having a, when it start becoming culturally ingrained in the black community, especially me, racist. I said, wow, that's it. That's it. Here's the irony to this whole stuff. Here's the irony to it. It was the Democrat Party that supported slavery in the South. It was the Democrat Party that uh, started the KKK to go around the black community threatening blacks not to vote Republican. It was the Democrat Party that gave us Jim Crow laws. Yeah. Now they're calling us racist. <laughs> so the question is, why are they doing that? Because they have control of the narrative. We got to get it back. We got to get it back. And the way we get it back, you got to know how to engage. When you go back home, when you go back home, the first thing you do not want to do is talk about facts, evidence, truth. Here's why. Here's how the left thinks now. They think this way. Truth doesn't matter. Truth doesn't matter. Here's what I mean by that. If I call you a racist every day, and you have a weak response. I'm, I'm continually calling you a racist. And now we, when the word conservative is used, people automatically think of a racist. I'm calling you that every day. Before you get a chance to speak, people think you're a racist. I'm not going to listen to someone I believe is be a racist. So no matter what truth you speak, what evidence you give, what you say about liberty, until you can overcome that, your message falls on deaf ears. So it's not about truth. 
the first thing we must do, we must learn how to create trust and credibility for ourselves so people will listen to us. That's the first thing. We got to overcome the negative perception that people have of liberty advocates like ourselves. We got to trump the race card. Through the ministry of the Apostle Paul, God gives, gives us a blueprint on how to trump the race card. Y'all remember the Apostle Paul? Before the Apostle Paul became a champion of Christianity, he was also well known for being a bloodthirsty slaughter of Christians. And that reputation preceded him. The Gentiles shook with fear at the mention of Paul's name. Then Paul had, of course, his Damascus Road experience. But if you allow me to use my biblical imagination for a moment, what was some of the talk among the Gentiles about Paul? Can you imagine? You know how folks are. Can you imagine the Gentiles sitting over there? Y'all, y'all look at Paul. That no good liar called himself a Christian evangelist. He's not fooling anybody. Y'all know what he did to those people in Judea and Jerusalem? He's coming over here trying to get us to become Christians so he can kill us too. Hmm. The question becomes, because Paul had a, such a tremendous impact on the early growth of the church, how did the apostle Paul overcome the negative perception that the Gentiles had of him? How did he trump the race card? You know how they're talking? Paul, look at him. He's a liar. He's insincere. He's a bigot and he's a racist. Any those words sound familiar? That's what it's said about conservatives, right? Here's what I conclude. Paul did two things. Very simple. Number one, the Apostle Paul had a testimony. The best persuasive messaging technique is one's personal testimony. He didn't just quote the Christ. He talked about how the teaching of the Christ changes thinking, changes mind. I'm a new person now. He let that be known. Okay? We got to have a what I call an inspirational declaration statement. We got to have a, a political testimony. What is that testimony, K. Carl? It will go something like this. Look, I've been inspired by the life and writings of Frederick Douglass. I'm more than a conservative. I'm a Frederick Douglass Republican, and I believe the life and power and values of Frederick Douglass. Respect for the Constitution, respect for life. I believe limited power of government, economic prosperity. You just go on with the, with the pattern. In addition to a testimony, the Apostle Paul had good deeds. Testimony and good deeds, they go together. You can't have one without the other. Paul traveled throughout the Roman Empire. He went to Asia Minor. He ministered to them. The people he was supposed to be racist towards, he was there with them. See, if you have one without the other, you're dead as a doornail. Dead. You got to have both. I'm the advisor for the Trump campaign. I tell them, I said, look, if we got to, not just the president, but we got to overcome the negative perception or the perception that we're racist. President Trump has a lot of good deeds in terms of what he's done that's impacting the black community, criminal justice reform, opportunity zones, unemployment of the black community at all time low, money set aside for STEM education. He has a lot of good deeds. But a poll came out in January 
with all these good deeds in place now, eight out of ten blacks still think he's a racist. What's missing? He needs a frigid Douglas Republican testimony. <laughs> if he does that, along with the good deeds, checkmate. The left now got to go back to France. <laughs> we got to get out of here. This engagement strategy is not a gimmick. It's not some cheap magician's trick. It's not some thought that sprang forth from the head of a philosophical Zeus. It's a divinely inspired message that God has given me that I'm sharing with you. The left has no answer for this. When you go home, the first thing you got to do, you got to learn how to create trust and credibility for yourself. You may be happy to know this, that Rush Limbaugh agrees with me. <laughs> November 28, 2018, in the third hour of his show, he got a call from a lady out of Florida. You can go to his website, pull down the transcript. November 28, 2018, the third hour of the show. Rush Limbaugh said, stop calling yourself conservatives. Russ said, I'm not telling you stop being a conservative, but understand that when you use that word, the bridge is there. Not the bridge, the, 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 the abyss is there, the wall is there. And now you're on the defense. See, we are being on the offense all the time. So Russ said that, Russ said, identify yourself as a problem solver. I like where Russ is going, but that doesn't go far enough. Identify yourself as a Frederick Douglass Republican or Frederick Douglass Liberty Ambassador. You follow me? Learn to leverage this man. Make sense to you? Boy, Frederick Douglass. Open my eyes up. Next one. I wrote this book back in 2011. I'm not here to hawk the book. Yes, I am, Pastor Broder. I'm going to hawk the book. I'm going to hawk it. Because <laughs> I'm going to share with you what works. Um, my brother I wrote this book in 2011 is entitled Frederick Douglass Republicans the movement to reignite America's passion for liberty I wrote this book Frederick Douglass Republicans the movement to reignite America's passion for liberty this is not a dissertation on the political thoughts of Douglass what this is is a liberty advocates handbook it's a book that gives you information on how to engage how to win the narrative what we did in this book we took Four life-empowering values. Respect for the Constitution, respect for life, the belief in limited government, and the belief in personal responsibility, and give you five quotes for Frederick Douglass said about each one of them. Powerful. Thank God Douglass wrote about these things. Now, let me go back. In the book, I say we believe in, we believe in uh, limited government. I don't say that anymore. Because when you say I believe in limited government, what the left will do, oh, you believe in limited government, you won't take most entitlements away. I believe the limited power of government, well, I want to keep more of the money that I make. Okay? So that's the book. The book, I have some here, some of y'all blessed us early and purchased some of those books, comes with five engagement cards. Now, go back up twice. This engagement card is a game changer. This engagement card, you see it has Douglas in the background here. 
On this engagement card, there are six what we call life-empowering values. You're probably saying they're conservative values. Yeah, there are conservative values, but we call them life-empowering values to why? So we can engage people, not stuck with that word conservative. And they are life-empowering values. And we give you a quote from Frederick Douglass. What did Douglass say about immigration? We're dealing with that today. What did Douglass say about the right to keep and bear arms? We're dealing with that today. Next slide. What did Douglass say about the U.S. Constitution, economic prosperity, school choice, free speech? And there are about nine more, but trying to keep the card down to a good size, five by seven. That's what we got on the card. When you leverage the writings of an ex-slave, the left has no answer for that. You follow me? It's wise that we lean on this brother. Help Douglas. We let Douglas help you articulate your position on the, you want to call them issues. Now, I don't call these issues. To me, these are values. Matter of fact, to me, these, I call these the tenets of liberty. We've got to maintain the tenets of liberty. Because if we don't maintain these tenets of liberty, we will lose our liberty. On the front of the card, I'm going to bounce you back, Paul. Go back to the front of the card. When you want, how do you inspire someone that lived a conservative lifestyle, but they vote the opposite of their values? How do you inspire them? One of the best ways that I found to be effective, here's a quote from Robert Brown Elliott. Robert Brown Elliott, during Reconstruction, the first seven blacks to serve the U.S. Congress were black Republicans. One of them was an individual from the state of South Carolina. His name was Robert Brown Elliott. Here's his quote. I am the slave to principles. I call no party master. I am the slave to Christian principles. I don't call the Democrat Party or the Republican Party my master. I'm going to vote in the way that shows my love and my allegiance to the God I serve without compromise. I'm not going to be a political chump. I'm going to be a Christian champion. Amen. When I share that with people, see some of the most, some of the most difficult people to engage and inspire them to vote for the values are your own family members. I had to. <laughs> your wife, your sister, your brother. Oh, boy. And they come to your house around Thanksgiving time. Mess up your day. I was in Chicago speaking to a tea party group, and a guy walked up to me after I spoke. He said, I want you to know, K. Carl, that I have it in my will that on Thanksgiving Day, no liberal can come to my house. I said, Wait a minute. Brother, you're not going to even be here. What do you care? He said, I don't want my wife to have to deal with them all by herself. That's real. That's, that quote right there got my mother to thinking. I didn't say, Mom, you got to become a Republican. I didn't say become a conservative. I said, Mother, right there. My father's retired from NASA. He goes to the flea market every day. And he wears a Frederick Douglass Republican uh, lapel pin. He won't use the word conservative, but he does say, I'm a Frederick Douglass Republican in lieu of saying conservative. Mm -hmm. You follow me? Mm -hmm. See, the left is cleaning our clock. 
They're playing chess. We're playing checkers. We got to overcome that. They don't have the best answer. We have the best ideas. That's why they're so effective and put more time to propaganda. Once we win that propaganda battle, the left will start jumping out of 12-story buildings. It's over with for them. We will win, but you and I, we got to equip ourselves. We got to carefully study, show ourselves approved, and learn how to leverage, in my view, the writings of Frederick Douglass. I have some books here. Y'all probably heard my capitalism joke before. I have some books here for each one of you. The books are free. The autograph in each book is $20. <laughs> I'm a capitalist. <laughs> we, Pastor Brody said something powerful for the day. We got to make this a young person's movement. Amen. We got to make ourselves scalable. What I want to encourage you to do, learn what it takes. See, so you got to understand, a Frederick Douglass Republican is not based on your skin color. Right. A Frederick Douglass Liberty Ambassador or a Frederick Douglass Republican is a person who believes in a life empowering values of Frederick Douglass. Respect for the Constitution, respect for life, the belief in limited power of government, economic prosperity, free speech, school choice, women's rights, the right to keep and bear arms. If you believe in those life empowering values, that's what makes you a Frederick Douglass Liberty Ambassador or Frederick Douglass Republican. We gotta pass this on. One of the things that my brothers and I are doing, we're gonna, we'll start, we'll be starting a private Christian school by the other year. The school is gonna be called the Frederick Douglass STEM Academy. We're gonna, STEM is part of the curriculum. But featured, featured in our program, we're gonna have a Frederick Douglass Liberty curriculum where we're going to inspire and train the next generation to become Frederick Douglass Liberty Ambassadors to counter Marxism. That's what we got to do. I'm here to tell you, I don't know anybody in this country that's done what we've done, where we take the life and writings of Frederick Douglass and we've leveraged that to help us better articulate and people understand what's going on. When you go back, most folks don't understand Marxism. They don't understand socialism. They don't understand communism. You gotta give them a metaphor that they can see and understand. Give them a slavery metaphor. And when you give them a slavery metaphor, now you bring in what Douglas had to say. Yeah. Douglas in Boston one time, he gave a speech called, uh, entitled, The Plea for Free Speech in Boston, is the name of the speech. Douglas said this, quote, tyrants cannot tolerate free speech because they know the power of it. That's Douglas talking. Read Douglas. Read Douglas' first biography. The narrative of the life of Frederick Douglas. Get K. Carl's book while you're here. <laughs> to help you along in your reading. And then carefully study to show yourself approved. That engagement card that I showed you there, we test marked that thing about five years ago in Arkansas. That's about 400 of them. It was a back-to-school rally. We put one of those cars in each of the book bags of the kids coming getting their supplies. The, the Republican Party was inundated next week with phone calls about that car. It says nothing about being a Republican. 
The word conserve is not on there. It says vote your values. That's all it says. People are hungry for this, but we have to know how to give it to them the right way. Ah. If we're serious about defending liberty, if we're serious about defending the Constitution, if we're serious about defeating Marxism, we got to bring in some Douglasism. And you got to become Frederick Douglass Liberty Ambassadors. This is not, this is easy, but it's not simple. Why is that simple? You got to practice the pattern. I've been doing this for 11 years now. I've been traveling the country and I've been preaching to the choir. Why? Because the choir got to go out and bring us some new choir, choir members, some younger choir members. And the choir needs a new song to sing. The song we sing has been working. And what's that song? That's the Frederick Douglass Liberty Ambassador Melody. It worked. It's a game changer. If you can change how your relatives vote, you can, change, you can engage anybody. Make sense to you? I got about four minutes left. I want to answer any questions you may have. Speak now or forever. Yes, sir. The main thing is they tore down his statue. Yeah, Rochester. Okay. And they say that uh, the president uh, moved out all these black people and spoke at Negroes. How, how do you respond to that? What's the last part? They wrote down all the, um, the Republicans, the black people, um, Kasich in uh, Maryland, uh, uh, the Herschel Walker, all these people supported the president. And when you roll out Frederick Douglass, won't they accuse us of him being just another token Negro? How do you respond to that? But that Douglass is another token Negro? Yeah. That's hard to say for a man who's, who's a slave. Well, yeah, well, here's why they tore down the statue. I, when, you, when you find out who tore down the statue, it was tore down by the leftists. They know the history of Douglas. They don't want you to know. Yeah. Because yeah. if you don't know, you'll never recognize the truth. They know that. Don't put it past them. They don't know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They know that. You'd be surprised how the left. Now, many, many, many times they cherry pick Douglas. They know he's a liberty messenger. They know that. Why there's never been a movie about Frederick Douglass? Because the views of Frederick Douglass is the opposite of the socialists in Hollywood. Why do you think they don't teach Douglass in substance? He's a game changer. They have not gotten to the point to rewrite his words. I want to share something with you. I got this call the other day from black preachers and friends of mine. They had me on the phone because, K. Carl, you're a, you're a nationally recognized person. Why come you have not been posting Black Lives Matter on your, on your social media page? My response was, I don't need to. I don't need BLM to, to verify what I'm doing. I am a Christian, and as a Christian, we've been called to fight for the oppressed. For me, BLM is a journey come lately. I've always been fighting for justice, fighting for the underdog. He come to set the oppressed free. I don't need to have the BLM to make me feel, uh, have validity. And I don't agree with what they believe in. Flat out. When you get back home, you got to be able to take what you've acquired and know how to deliver it. We need you. This is it. 
This is it. I don't want to have to answer the question you don't even when that grandchild asks you one day, what was it like when a member was free? The devil is alive. Amen. We're going to win this thing, but you have to become now. The president's doing his job. You got to do your job. What is our job? We got to get in the trenches and start engaging and start inspiring people to vote their values. How? This brother right here. There's one more quote I'm trying to get to. This is where we are. Quote from Frederick Douglass. Y'all people, y'all probably say this all the time. They know Douglass said it. Nevertheless, this is no time for the friends of freedom to fold their arms and consider their work at an end. The price for liberty is eternal vigilance. That brother said it. He said it. Leverage him. Two questions. Yes, sir. Located is it K twelve and it, assuming that it's successful, do you have hopes and plans to be able to replicate it across the U.S. The school, um, the school is located in Opportunity Zone, so we're going to close on this deal probably about two weeks. It's going to be right outside Birmingham, Alabama. We're going to start off K to four and add a grade a year up to the twelfth grade. Um, my youngest brother, who graduated from high school with a D minus, is. <laughs> He is now a PhD physicist. So he's, he's over this program. He's the one bringing STEM curriculum into the school. We're going to use technology and competition to ignite young people's uh, passion for learning. And this is not some theory. We've been doing this for eight years in Huntsville. Um, very successful. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you this. We started robotics clubs in Title I schools in Huntsville, they were not there. Title I schools are schools that's predominantly black on the uh, failing schools list in, in Alabama. Make a long story short, our high school robotics team competed in their second first robotics competition this uh, March of last year. Out of 55 teams, this, this team, now when we go out and recruit children for our teams, we go to classrooms we're looking for students that's getting straight F's. That's who we want. We want those who are getting failing grades. That's to make up our team. They're special needs. That's who make up our team. One or both parents are incarcerated. That's who we recruit. Well, they competed in their second robotics competition in Huntsville last March. Out of 55 teams, they finished 18th. Now, what does that mean? 18 out of 55 teams, they finished number one in the city of Huntsville. They finished number two in the state. And of all the public schools that were competing in this competition, they finished number one. They, they defeated teams on um, madness schools who focused on STEM. They can't get in. Our kids can't get in because they got behavior problems with other grades. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. One more. Okay, Carl had a question here. Uh, the end of that quote, tyrants can't tolerate free speech because they... Know the power of free speech. Know the power of free speech. They know the power of free speech. If I have free, free speech and I get a chance to tell folks what you're doing to me, that's power. But if you take away my free speech, nobody knows what's going on. 
and I will continue to be oppressed. You had a question? Frederick Douglass. The, uh, the speech is entitled, The Plea for Free Speech in Boston. Yes, sir. How do you push back against Black Lives Matter? It's bigger than that. But here's how you make a difference. You make a difference by starting where you are. You start with your sphere of influence. You start with your family members, your friends. And I believe, I believe in three degrees or six degrees of separation. Once you start engaging people with truth, you can articulate it. You have no idea where it's going to take you and what audience you're going to have. Okay? Start local. Do, let me say this, Paul, then I'm going to sit down. Let's go to Acts, the first chapter of Acts. In first chapter of Acts, God gives instruction on how to do outreach. You remember after three and a half years of training the disciples, the Christ sat down with the disciples and he said to them, don't you leave now until you receive the power. He meant the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, don't you leave now and do any outreach until you receive the power. What's that? Training. You got to know how to do it. Then the Christ says, then when you go out, I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Adapazia. Am I right? Where is Jerusalem? Your Jerusalem is where you live. My Jerusalem is where I live. Your Jerusalem is your precinct. My Jerusalem is my precinct. That's where you start. That's in reach. Then go to Judea. Those are the community outside where you live. Then Samaria. Now you're going to communities who may not look like you and could be antagonistic. That's outreach. You don't do outreach first. Do inreach first. They're all the parts of the earth. In my personal view, so we did, what we did with this whole engagement strategy, we took the liberty message of Frederick Douglass and combined it with the diversity outreach strategy of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a diversity outreach specialist, was he not? Apostle Paul, you know, he was an attorney. And he was a tent maker. God called the Apostle Paul to establish a big tent. Big tent is a metaphoric expression for what? Diversity outreach. We say it all the time. We got to have a big tent. Paul, his strategy for outreach and messaging. Liberty message of Frederick Douglass. When you put those two together and you exercise it, it's powerful. Game changer, unstoppable. Thank you so much. My time has run up. I'm here. I'll be in the back. God bless you. Appreciate it.